This podcast channel is about you, successful international entrepreneurs, successful expats, successful investors, sponsored by HCJ Contacts. Welcome to our, uh, Augusto is reminding me that this is our fifth live stream where we're going to talk about Portugal, U.S. taxes. Uh, so welcome. Thank you for joining us. So just in terms of some basic housekeeping, please remain on mute until we come to the Q&A at the end. Uh, understand that with the Q&A, a quite a few of you have submitted questions, and thank you for doing that. We will attempt to discuss them in the order in which they were received. And just to make it pretty clear that nothing we say here constitutes tax advice. Consider this educational or entertaining, but it's not tax advice. If you want advice that is actionable in your unique and your specific circumstances, please, you need to engage someone who will then take a, a deeper dive into your situation and then can uh, give an opinion, a legally, uh, uh, legally binding and uh, an opinion with consequences, right? So what we're doing is we're using your feedback to have a conversation that is educational. So I just, just want to make that pretty clear because some of you have been asking. So without further ado, I will hand you over to Gusto, who will talk about the intricacies of taxation in Portugal. Gusto, over to you. Hi, uh, hi everyone. Thank you, thank you, Darren, for 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 the invitation for this uh, webinar. Uh, I'm very pleased to to contribute again for for this discussion. As um, Darren mentioned, of course, uh, um, we we will try to cover some of the main features of the NHR regime. Um, and of course, this is general information, and uh, we will try to address some of the questions that you raised raise during the Q and A. Um, but anyway, uh, of course, in the tax area, several matters that need to be evaluated, and the devil is on the details, definitely. Um, I, 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 we we thought uh, that. Um, also in previous webinars that we met together, that would be useful to have a, a, an initial presentation about the, the main features of the NHR regime in Portugal, which would be help, helpful to try to solve some of the questions right away and uh, prepare us for, for the, the, the Q&A session as well. Um, for all of us to be in the same starting point, let's say. Uh, I don't know, Darren, if uh, I may share my screen. I, I think so. Uh, I'll try to do that. Okay, thank you. Uh, um, I'll skip the, the, uh, uh, a detailed presentation of myself. I'm tax advisor here in Portugal, and I'm a part of uh, Group PR, which is a, a group engaged in the uh, provision of uh, accounting and tax and audit services to corporate and private clients and 
how to try to share some of uh, our experience with the individual clients, including uh, some some US uh, expats that decide to move to, to Portugal. Uh, during this presentation, I will try to uh, um, present uh, uh, some, uh, as I mentioned, general information um, on the regime. Uh, I will start uh, with some brief considerations regarding the tax registration and the tax residency criteria in Portugal. Uh, also about the tax, the main tax filing obligation as individual that decides to to be become tax resident in Portugal, uh, and then uh, speak about the NHR regime in more detail um, at the end of the presentation. So just some uh, uh, initial comments about the uh, non-habitual resident regime. Uh, application. So what are the main conditions? Basically, we have two conditions. The first one, that uh, the, the taxpayer is considered tax resident in Portugal under the Portuguese tax law. So the NHR regime is applicable to tax residents in Portugal. This, this uh, name NHR, non-habitual resident, is somehow confusing, but uh, uh, it is important to make sure that we are talking about tax residents in Portugal. And the second condition is that uh, this taxpayer has have not been tax resident in Portugal in the previous five years. So these are the, the two conditions. And uh, uh, the application for uh, the, the NHR regime is made until the end of March of the year following the change of tax residency to Portugal. For example, in case of someone that decide to move to Portugal in 2021, until the end of this year, it, it, it should apply for the NHR status until the end of March 2022. And the regime is applicable for 10 years. So counting from the first year where the taxpayer is tax resident. Okay. Uh, with respect to the concept of tax resident in Portugal, it's also important to clarify uh, that the, the, the main criteria would be the period that a person stays in Portugal during a 12-month period. Uh, and that rule is uh, the 183 days uh, whether consecutive or not, during 12-month period. Uh, so, uh, basically, at each point in time, a person should look for the previous 12 months and confirm that have been uh, in Portugal physically uh, uh, at least 183 uh, days. And even in those situations that stayed for less time, um, um, the, the, the other condition is that the person has a dwelling, uh, a house in Portugal, in conditions that uh, suggest an intention to, to, to occupy such, such house as uh, is habitual uh, residence. Uh, this, this is important, important also because in Portugal there is a concept of partial residency, meaning that during a, a, a tax year, that for individuals in Portugal is the calendar year, 
an individual could be tax resident only in part of uh, uh, the year. For example, someone that moved to Portugal and registered as tax resident in September uh, this year will only be considered tax resident in principle between September and December uh, 2021. Of course, that uh, uh, with uh, this discussion about the tax residency, uh, these are the domestic rules. And of course, we, are, uh, we also uh, need to take into consideration uh, the double tax treaties and all the considerations about that uh, when we are discussing the tax residency between two jurisdictions. Uh, of course, there could be other uh, tiebreak uh, uh, clauses and so on, and that uh, should be evaluated when we are discussing the if we are discussing the tax residency between two, two jurisdictions well as, as tax residents in portugal the taxpayers including uh, the nhr um, uh, are, are, are uh, uh, obliged to report uh, in portugal the worldwide income even income that could be exempt or not subject to taxation in Portugal under the NHR regime, uh, such income needs to be reported. So uh, the, the filing of the annual personal income tax return is uh, of most importance because even consider that some exemptions, uh, uh, all income needs to be reported. Okay, um, so uh, uh, with respect to the, the, the main steps uh, when considering moving and registering, registering as a tax resident in Portugal. Of course, in parallel to this decision of uh, tax residency, uh, uh, there are other considerations more related with the authorization to live in Portugal and of course, immigration uh, regulation uh, that uh, uh, individuals that are not Portuguese or uh, uh, not uh, citizens of uh, other European Union country need to apply for a visa to, to live in Portugal. And uh, uh, just, just uh, uh, also uh, to, to clarify that this NHR regime and any tax regime has nothing to do with the type of visa that uh, a person can 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 have. So this is a, uh, these are two separate issues: the visa and the immigration procedure, and the tax registration and uh, uh, the NHR. So um, considering, of course, that an individual has uh, uh, the authorization or a visa that uh, allows him to live and, and spend uh, time in Portugal on a permanent uh, basis. Uh, to, uh, the, the steps for the tax registration would be as follows. So apply for the Portuguese tax identification number, register as tax resident, apply for, for the NHR status uh, uh, as we seen until the end of March of the year of the following year and then on an annual basis 
uh, file the uh, personal income tax return in Portugal. So they, these are basically the main tax obligations for an individual in Portugal. Um, the, the annual tax return, as I uh, already mentioned, so uh, the tax period would be the same as the calen calendar here, so, so runs from, from January to December, uh, should, be, should report the worldwide income, so in Portugal uh, the tax return basically has information of income, does not have information of property, assets, uh, whatever. So it's only uh, income that we need to report. And of course, we may need to report foreign bank accounts if, uh, if held. Um, and these are the, the, the main, main information that needs to be reported. Uh, and, and now maybe uh, try to, to, to summarize some of the, the main features of the NHR regime. So um, the, the, when we are talking about uh, the taxation uh, under the NHR regime, we should look at uh, 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 the source of the income and the nature of such income. I will start to, to talk about what we call passive income. So income uh, uh, derived from investments uh, um, or uh, um, rental income. So uh, not derived from uh, business activity or uh, employment. So with respect to passive income, the rule, the general rule uh, is that these uh, types of income would be exempt from taxation in Portugal under the NHR regime as, uh, uh, if, if uh, uh, according to uh, uh, the rules, the double tax treaties uh, concluded uh, between Portugal and the country of the source of such income, can be liable to tax at the country of source. Um, and uh, the exemption is not applicable with respect to passive income that derives from, derives from blacklisted jurisdictions. Okay? To give some examples, if we are talking uh, about, for instance, uh, for instance, from dividends received from uh, uh, abroad, the general rule would be uh, uh, that uh, uh, dividends are taxable in the country of source of the income and in such case, even if not subject to effective taxation there, would be exempt from taxation in Portugal. This would be applicable in, in general terms to dividends, to interest, uh, to rental income. Uh, one exception uh, would be uh, with respect to income uh, related to capital gains. Uh, for example, capital gains derived from the sale of securities. We can talk about uh, uh, bonds or shares. If uh, the, uh, in case of capital gains derived from, for example, shares, the general rule would be that capital gains 
will not be taxed at source according to double tax treaties, which would mean that as a general rule, uh, those capital gains would, would be taxable in Portugal under the NHR regime. Uh, uh, and and uh, uh, in such case, we will not benefit from the exemption. Uh, of course, this needs to be evaluated on a case-by-case -case basis because there are some, some double tax treaties that may allow taxation at source of capital gains. And then in such cases, the, we can get the exemption. But uh, the, in most of the double tax treaties concluded by Portugal, this is the rule. Taxation in Portugal and uh, no exemption under the NHR. Um, Another exemption uh, to, uh, to, uh, in, in case of capital gains would be capital gains derived, uh, for example, from the sale of real estate property located in other jurisdictions. In such case, in principle, exemption applies under the NHR. Now, moving to other uh, types of income and uh, um, namely employment income and self-employment income. With respect to employment income, the, the, the general rule that uh, is that uh, uh, this employment income um, from foreign source will only be exempt from taxation in Portugal under the NHR regime if actually subject to, to taxation at source. This is the rule for employment income. With respect to self-employment income, uh, exemption it's, it is available only for uh, those activities that are considered as high-valued activities. And as long as, according to the double tax treaty, concluded by Portugal and the source of, uh, and the country of source of such income, the, uh, such income can be subject to taxation at source. So only if uh, the double tax treaty allows taxation at source, we will get exemption in Portugal. Again, those, uh, such a, a exemption is not applicable when we are talking about self-employment uh, 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 sourced in blacklisted uh, jurisdictions. Now, um, moving to the pension income. So this rule changed uh, last year, 2020. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, in the past, pension income from foreign source was uh, fully exempt from taxation in Portugal under the NHR regime. This is no longer the case. Uh, the general rule would be uh, uh, the pension income to be uh, uh, taxed at the flat rate of 10%. The change in the law was introduced in a way that protects the, 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 the previously registered NHR, which uh, uh, are uh, still, uh, 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 um, well, it's still applicable, the exemption in, in such case. Uh, and uh, just uh, um, 
one comment with with respect to the um, income derived from Portuguese source. So uh, income from empl employment or uh, business or self-employment self in Portugal. Uh, uh, there is uh, uh, a reduced 20% uh, uh, flat rate that is applicable uh, to employment and self-employment income from Portuguese source, but this flat rate is only applicable in those cases where the activities are also considered as a high-value-added activities. And um, of course, this, the, the, the high-value-added activities are foreseen in a list that was enacted by the Portuguese tax authorities. And this list was uh, updated in 2020. Um, there were some uh, adjustments, uh, tried to, to be more, more objective in terms of the classification of the, the activities. This is the list. I will not uh, spend much time here, but. Okay, just in terms of uh, uh, a summary of, of uh, uh, these uh, notes. Um, well, the, the NHR regime is, of course, uh, uh, a favorable tax regime. And uh, Portugal, in general, is a, 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 um, a whitelist uh, tax environment. So, uh, apart from benefiting from the NHR regime, which is, which, uh, as I mentioned, has several uh, benefits, uh, namely at personal income tax level, uh, but there are some advantages in moving to Portugal, uh, such as uh, not having uh, taxation on the, uh, on the uh, inheritance uh, situations, for example, and even considering this new uh, rule for pension income with a taxation of 10%, it, it's still a, a, a good opportunity in terms of tax uh, structuring the, 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 of the incomes. Um, and that, that, that's basically the main ideas that I have uh, to share in this initial presentation and uh, would be a good starting point for, for the Q&A. All right, wonderful. So now we get to the fun part, <laughs> the Q&A. And yes, I know you guys have sent in lots of questions. So we will address them in the order in which we have received them. So going up to the first question, I'm registered for your webinar. I have one question. I'm a US citizen with residency in Portugal. I would like to know the procedure of which tax return I should file first. If I understand correctly, I should file my Portugal taxes first because it's my country of residence and then file my US taxes. Is that correct? There are many Portuguese accountants that say you need to file your US returns first, which is correct. And Augusto, you and I had a spirited discussion on this earlier. Uh, please, over to you. 
<laughs> I don't know if I have a, 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 um, a correct answer. <laughs> well, in terms of timing, the, 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 the statutory deadline, I would say, to file the tax returns is more or less in the same time, I believe. So in Portugal, the tax return needs to be filed between April and June, usually. It's more or less the same timeline that in the US. Okay, uh, the, uh, the, the fact that uh, would uh, uh, be important to confirm in each specific situation is if for any type of income, there, there would be a, a tax credit. Uh, because uh, if, uh, uh, for instance, there is an income that is taxed in Portugal and you can claim a tax credit in US, for such uh, uh, taxes paid in Portugal, it would make sense to file the Portuguese tax return before US tax return. And the other way around, it's also true. If, uh, 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 although according to our experience, it would be uh, uh, the situations that where we can claim tax credit in Portugal for tax paid abroad would be uh, uh, um, residual in comparison with the, the other way around. So I would say that it would make sense to file the Portuguese tax return first if we can claim any tax credit in the US. Darren, please correct yeah. me. So, so Paul, you know, that, that, that is a very powerful question and it's one that everyone asks. So you, you're definitely not alone. So, so essentially, as Augusto said, both, as you know, are due around the same time because you're outside of the US, you get that automatic two month extension to file your tax returns. Do note that from a US perspective, your payments are still due on April 15. So even though you may get an, uh, the automatic two month extension to file to mid June, or even if you file a, a form 4868 and you get an extension to mid October, payments are still due by April. Otherwise, you may be hit by interest and underpayment penalties, right? So I, I know it seems kind of weird. So technically, in a way, we should be doing it at the same time. But depending on your situation, and it really depends, everyone's situation is different. If it is, most of your income is subject, as Augusto has just gone through in quite a bit of detail. If it is that you are subject to tax at source in Portugal first, then chances are we need to get the Portugal taxes so we can offset them with the foreign tax credits and form 1116 against your US tax liability. So yes, the confusing answer I know is that you wanna start both at the same time, but if it is most of your income is gonna be taxed here because it's derived from Portugal, then we need, we as the US tax team or whoever it may be for you, would need to get the Portugal tax position first. And if it's the opposite, like most of your stuff is derived from the US and because of a treaty position or NHR or whatever, is gonna be taxed in the US first, then you know Portugal will need to see that first. So I know that is not the answer you're hoping for, but it is the answer, it really depends. Yeah. Darren, just, just for completeness, because the, there is a, a practical uh, uh, issue here that of course when we file the Portuguese tax return uh, uh, as I mentioned we need to repar, uh, report the worldwide income and uh, to, uh, to, uh, to file uh, uh, the Portuguese tax return in an accurate manner even considering a, a, an income that is exempt we should 
present the income that was paid abroad for any reason. So uh, th there is also this uh, discussion that we to to file uh, uh, accurately the the Portuguese tax return, we should have the information of the taxes paid abroad. But uh, well, this is sometimes difficult to 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 manage. <laughs> exactly. So it becomes in a way like a chicken and an egg, you know, which comes first, right? So that's why we're saying both. <laughs> and in some in some cases, uh, when when we can claim uh, tax credit in Portugal, we can also ask for the post more postponement of the the, the filing. But uh, the only reason to ask for that is when we. Uh, actually have a, a tax credit in Portugal right and, uh, to and, determine, similar... and to determine the amount of the tax credit of course we need to uh, file uh, previously the tax return in the other country right and and similarly with the US as you guys know you can file for an extension so that's why it's important that your US tax team and your Portugal tax team they work in concert with each other so, you know, just as you can tell from just our brief exchange, there's a lot of interdependencies. And more importantly, then you have one team taking a, a higher view to make sure that you're not taxed twice on the same income, because that's one thing that nobody wants, double taxation, right? All right, next question. Uh, and for those who are logging in now on, on Facebook, uh, you can type your questions below and we'll get to them in the order in which they receive as well. So is there an agreement between the Portugal, between Portugal and the US with regards to social security for self-employed people? So this person is saying, I stopped paying self-employment tax when I began working here in Portugal and paying social security only in Portugal, not in the US. So uh, again, we, this, we, yeah, this, this is a relatively straightforward one. But there's a totalization agreement between the United States and Portugal. In fact, there's a totalization agreement between the US and most Western European nations, which means that you're not, and you're not required to pay social security contributions twice. And if it is that you are residents in Portugal, which I assume that you are, you should be paying into Portugal. Whoever is doing your U.S. return will make a note on the return, especially if you have like Schedule C income or you have K-1s that may trigger self-employment tax. They should make a note on the return uh, invoking the totalization agreement and letting the IRS know that social charges are being paid in Portugal. So they're not required to be paid into the United States. So for once, we have a straightforward question. All right. <laughs> so moving on. Hi, I'm planning to move to Porto on the D7 visa in mid-April next year. I have passive income from 12 rental properties in Florida and interest income from mortgages I make with real estate investors also in Florida. So he has a, a real estate business of some sort in Florida. I won't have social security income until 2029. My questions are, first question, how will these sources of income, the rental, the interest, and eventually the social security benefits from the US be taxed during the 10 years 
that he would hope to be subject to the NHR, the non-habitual residence. And then after the NHR uh, program for him would expire after 10 years. So let, he has some other questions, but let's, let's, let's deal with this one first. And let's, let's deal with the first part of it. So his rental property income, how would that be taxed here under the NHR, Augusto? Well, rental, rental property would be exempt of taxation in Portugal um, under the NHR regime. So uh, the rental income uh, uh, under the double tax treaty would be taxable in the country where the property is located, or at least the uh, US would have the rights to tax in, in such a way. Uh, it would be exempt under the NHR. Okay, so we and we're not going to move on uh, just yet because we put uh, some some flavor into this while we were discussing this before before this Zoom call. So let's assume that this person has, I mean, it's twelve it's twelve rental properties, right? And he has other investors. So we're going to assume that he has a structure and we're going to assume that it's in an L it's all in an LLC, a Florida LLC. So then, okay, let's same scenario, but it's in a Florida LLC. How is Portugal looking at that, Augusto? Hmm. Well, I would say that we have uh, uh, different ways to look at that. <laughs> um, uh, because, um, we, we, in case of an LLC, which is a transparent entity, so it's an entity that is not subject to taxation itself at the corporate level, uh, the idea would be that any taxation of the activity, of the profits of the LLC, would be directly attributed to the partner, to the shareholder, uh, uh, for for taxation purposes, that would be uh, a, a way uh, uh, to look at this. In such case, uh, uh, the discussion around this would be if the nature of the profit that is allocated to the partner still has the nature of rental income, or if it is a business profit. And uh, there is a lot of uh, discussion around this. We may may argue that the 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 the, the underlying income has as the nature of uh, rental income and uh, try to to uh, to follow that route and argue that it would be a, 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 an income exempt from taxation, giving the the, the 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 nature of the underlying income. It's a, a possible approach. Uh, and possible. Uh, I'm not saying that this would be the view of the tax authorities. Yeah, so, uh, you know, just to add to what Augusto has already said, it could be very, very nuanced. And especially so people I know I've seen discussions and people have approached me and on our online uh, forms and our website. And then they talk about invoking, uh, I think it's Article 7 of the, the tax treaty and it's business income, blah, blah, blah. But it really depends because when you look under Article 7, that very first line, it speaks about having a permanent establishment here, in, in this case, in Portugal. So if it is that, I think a key factor 
as whoever your tax advisors would be a key factor for them to understand, which we, we don't know in this case. So we can't say one way or the other, but a key factor to consider is whether you have what we call substance or permanent establishment here in Portugal. So if it is that you are making decisions for that business from your home in Kashkai or the Algarve or wherever it is you are, you're running that business from, from Portugal. So, you know, then there's permanent establishment here, there's nexus here. So potentially that whole structure could be taxable in Portugal, potentially, right? Uh, so it, it really, really depends. Or if it is that you have a full team boots on the ground in Florida, and all you're doing is you sitting back and you at the marina in Kashkai and you're just having a good time and you're just receiving passive income, then that's another scenario, right? That is completely different from if you're actively involved. So this is, this is something to consider. And we, we also get this as a, a slight segue. We also get this with some YouTubers as well. They may think you know, that your main audience, you're speaking in English on your YouTube channel and you're getting income, but that income is being derived from English speaking audiences in the US. But the point is that you are running that enterprise from here in Portugal. So it really is, you know, it's, it's something to consider and you should really seek advice. Uh, and, and in that disclosure, really explain to your advisors exactly how your business is being structured. So, and just to get to the second part of, of his question, Augusto, he's asking, so what happens after the NHR expires? You want to comment on that? Okay. After, after the, the, the 10 year period, what happens is that uh, uh, the general rules applicable to the regular taxpayers in Portugal will apply. And uh, the general rules would be that the overall annual income subject to uh, progressive tax rates up to 48% for, uh, of personal income tax. And of course, some passive income for instance, uh, we are talking about rental income in the example, would be taxed at a flat rate of 28% as an option. Okay, great. Uh, moving on to the next part of his question. So, so Bill is asking, I have substantial annual income uh, in my Roth IRA, so individual retirement account in, in the US. So his question is, how is my Roth? Because the Roth is going to be tax-free in the U.S. So how is it going to be taxed, if it's going to be taxed in Portugal, Augusto? Okay. Uh, 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 this, this, uh, uh, the important uh, uh, discussion is, uh, in this case, uh, uh, to clarify the nature of the income deriving from the, the Roth. Uh, I would say that in principle would qualify as a, a, a pension income if received uh, in several installments uh, uh, after, after uh, retirement. So in such case, if, uh, 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 if we can confirm the nature as a, uh, a pension income, that would mean that the, the, uh, the, the pension income under the, these new rules of the NHR regime would be taxable in Portugal at a flat rate of 10%. 
However, it is important to clarify that this 10% uh, may uh, or should only apply to the uh, component received of the pensions received that corresponds to income, meaning that we should not tax the, uh, the amount received in, in, in the pensions that correspond to the capital uh, contributions made by the, the person. So the challenge would be to a niche uh, uh, pension income to split uh, and only be, uh, tax the, the income and not the amount of the contributions that were made by uh, uh, the, the, the individuals to, 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 the, to this uh, product. Okay, so uh, I know that you know, when, when we say this, because it, this is a question that we always get asked. And after we give the explanation, there's collective disappointment, right? Because people were under the impression that there's a DTA and it's still being bandied about online, right? So there's a DTA, so you're not going to be paying any tax in Portugal. And that is wrong. And for those who may be new, you, would, uh, you can look at what has been happening in Spain right next door for forever, right? So the way it works is that Portugal will tax it. But as Augusto has said, we're going to have to bifurcate, or whoever's working with you, you know, whoever your chosen tax team is, they're going to need to bifurcate that uh, monthly income between what was the original contribution and what is the return on the investment. And the return on the investment will be subject to the 10% tax. Now, then we get, so the, then you're saying, well, what about the treaty, right? That's in violation of the treaty. Mm, not exactly. So just like happens in Spain for those who, you know, may have spent time in Spain or they have friends or they're connected with people, Americans who are in Spain, you do invoke the treaty, but what you do is you reclassify that income, even though it was derived domestically. And this is strictly on a U.S. tax return, right? Has nothing to do with Portugal. Portugal has got their piece already and they're happy. So on your U.S. tax return, you're going to invoke the treaty and reclassify that income from domestic to, into, uh, to foreign income. And then you get a, a foreign tax credit, which would be usable to offset against any other tax liabilities that you may have to the US. So, you know, it, so the, the point is that it is not straightforward. And when you sit with your preferred tax advisor, they can walk you through. And in a case like this, where you are, maybe where you still may be in the US and planning to come to Portugal, it creates planning opportunities because the NHR as, as you know, as, as, as readily apparent by now, it's very nuanced. So before you arrive in, in Portugal, you may want to contact an advisor and go through all your income and go through all your, your assets and understand how Portugal will see it. And if you don't like how it's gonna be treated by Portugal, then you have an opportunity to plan before arriving here. So it may be a planning opportunity. So, so that, that, that's it as far as Ross is concerned. Now, moving on, because we have some more questions. Hello, my questions are not as advanced. I've more or less arrived, I've just more or less arrived in Portugal. 
And I'm most interested in the case of, oh, same question, of retired persons that don't have access to the big foreign earned income exclusion because they're not actively earning, right? So how does Portugal calculate a tax credit consideration for taxes paid in the US? And he, he or she goes on to say, okay, uh, I'll leave it there. How does Portugal calculate uh, taxes on retirement income? To be fair, we've just answered that. So hopefully that part has been completely covered. So now we can move on to the next part of that question from, from Sonia. Is the Portuguese foreign tax credit only for persons actively employed or for any US taxpayer such as retired persons, pensioners, retired pensioners? So I, we just mentioned that as well. So the money that you've paid to the authorities in Portugal can be used as tax credits to uh, reduce your U.S. taxable income. So it can be, even though it may be Portugal tax paid on U.S. source income, it is possible using the tax treaty and a more sophisticated treatment of Form 1116 to reclassify that income and have those that tax credit from Portugal available for use in the U.S. So, so that's a yes. Next question from Sonia. So she has a multiple part question. Does Portugal have any senior or elderly reductions or tax breaks? Augusto? Well, uh, 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 there is, um, there is a, a tax, tax uh, uh, break, but uh, the, uh, I, I'm not sure, the, uh, to be honest, the, the exact amount at this stage, but I believe it's uh, 4,000 or something like that, 4,000 euros only. So the, actually, it's not a, a, a significant, a significant uh, reduction in terms of the, the tax uh, basis of the pension income. Okay, that's great. Uh, Sonia, I hope that answers your questions. We're moving on to crypto. So someone is asking, in Portugal, we understand that crypto investors are not taxed, but crypto traders may be taxed. Now, what's the difference? Uh, I'll comment on the US side and then Augusto will comment on, on the Portugal side. Uh, on the US side, as, as a crypto uh, investor slash trader, you, you'll probably be aware that the US tax code does not specifically define the difference between an investor and a trader. There's some guidance in, it, in terms of, I think, publication 550, but there's no specific definition. And what we, what we as uh, US qualified tax professionals need to do will be to look at the fact pattern in light of case law. And just to summarize what case law tells us, that you can qualify for a trader. And I know it's in the US, if it is that you're actively involved in, in uh, virtual currency, you may want to be a trader because it's more tax efficient to be so classified if it is that you are, you're actively involved in it, right? So, that, so it's, it's something that someone would pursue once they get to a certain level. So to qualify at the very least in the US, you would need to trade substantially, regularly, frequently, and continuously. So that's what the IRS looks for 
as we derive from case law, substantially, regularly, frequently, continuously. And then secondly, but obviously, you'll need to profit from the short-term price swings. You, you, you're profiting from short-term price swings. So you're not kind of like buy and hold, you know, you buy a Bitcoin and you hold it until years to come. No, you need to be in the business of profiting from short-term swings as well. So assuming that you check both of those boxes, you may qualify to be a trader and enjoy the U.S. tax benefits that derive therefrom. Uh, Augusto, you want to comment on, on Portugal? Well, um, in, in Portugal, uh, uh, not only we do not have any uh, uh, specific regulation uh, with respect to the qualification of trader or not, but even worse, we do not have any uh, tax uh, uh, rules uh, uh, directly applicable to 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 crypto crypto or or to gains derived from crypto crypto trading uh, uh, and investment. So, uh, uh, just uh, to recap, uh, the Portuguese uh, tax authorities issued a binding opinion uh, about these matters. So it's not in the law; it's a binding opinion of the tax authority which of course it's only binding for that specific situation. But anyway, it's a, a, the only guideline that we have until now uh, about the taxation applicable to, 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 to crypto, uh, to, to gains derived from crypto investments or trade. So, uh, and that binding ruling basically uh, 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 says that uh, if you are only an investor and you do not perform uh, uh, the trading uh, uh, or the, uh, the, the trade of crypto on a regular basis as your main activity, that would be not subject to taxation. That's what binding ruling says but of course it does not enter in the detail about the qualification of what what is considered as a business uh, or as a, a trader uh, uh, we do not have any type of uh, or, or any kind of guideline until now uh, uh, also from a, a regulatory perspective we do not have any kind of uh, uh, rules that uh, uh, would, for instance, uh, uh, say that someone that performs this activity in a, a certain manner or uh, uh, with certain means would need to register as a trader. So there is not all, 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 there is not also a, a, a regulation from a, a practical perspective or. A, uh, for re regulatory purposes, uh, so it's uh, 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 I would say a grey area and, and very very uh, uncomfortable for uh, uh, the tax advisors to 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 have an opinion on this. I believe, <laughs> but of course there is the common sense uh, that is in line what the distinguish or the characteristics that Darren mentioned about the frequency, the number of transactions that, and so on, that we can, of course, try to um, consider as uh, some, some, some uh, guides, at least. Exactly, so it's very nuanced. So if we look at it from an extreme position, 
So like if, so we have, uh, I, have I have clients, our team has clients that are algo traders, high frequency traders, right? So they do hundreds of thousands, if not a million transactions per day. So obviously, and they're sitting, they're sitting at a number of computers and there's screens everywhere. And that's what they do day in, day out. Obviously they're gonna be traders, right? So that is not an investor. That, that's an extreme example, but an extreme example to make the point, that is a trader. Now on the other side, you have someone that bought crypto five, 10 years ago, whenever it first came out and they are enjoying their days um, surfing in Costa de Caparica or at the marina in Qashqai, just having a good time enjoying their life while the value of their virtual currency appreciates. That is an investor. So, but most people are somewhere in between, right? And you probably want to get an opinion from a, a Portugal qualified uh, tax professional so that you understand where you sit. Because, you know, as, as Augusto mentioned, these are shades of gray, right? So I hope that's okay. I hope that's helpful to the person that asked. Moving on. So Robin is asking, um, I'm a French designer and my clients are in the United States. So I would like to know if it's possible and legal to have a, a US LLC as a French citizen living in Portugal with NHR and receive the dividends while only paying zero and while paying 0% tax. Uh, looks a bit weird to me. So that, that's a fair comment uh, because, you know, as I, I like to say, and I think most people in our space, if it seems too good to be true, chances are it is too good to be true. But I know why you're saying that because there are other tax professionals who, mind you, as far as I'm aware, I've met one or two of them, and neither of them are Portugal qualified. They come from other countries. And they have been offering this structure to their clients who are based in Portugal. So uh, that really ties back to the point that we were making earlier about, you know, where is, where is the permanent establishment, where are decisions being made? And even though the company may be incorporated in the United States, the LLC is incorporated in the US, it sounds as if, it, it, I, I don't know your situation inside out, but if it is that you, decisions are being made, that company is actually being run from Portugal, then chances are it would be taxable as a Portugal company. But if it is, you are, you know, you're removed from the process and you have a design team and all your clients are boots on the ground in the US and you're just sitting back, you, you look every once in a while to make sure that the designs make sense and they look good, then, but you're not actively involved, you just look maybe once a week, once a month, whatever. That's different, right? So then perhaps it's taxable, but it's gonna be taxable in the US because you have substance in the US, right? You, you have activity in the US. So it will be taxable in the US. And in that case, it won't be taxable here. But the idea that you can create a structure with the United States where it's not taxable in the US and it's not taxable in Portugal. So you're in some sort of uh, wonderful zone. Then uh, I agree, it, it sounds weird because it is weird. 
and we don't think it works. Uh, Augusto, do you want to comment on that? Well, I think the three of us agree that it's weird. <laughs> okay, that's great. Uh, we have five minutes left. Do we have any other questions? Uh, let me scroll down. Okay, and I'm gonna check one of the other platforms. Any questions from Facebook? Nope. Okay. Thank you very much for your time. I'm glad we were able to answer all of your questions. Uh, in the chat box below, Hannah has put our contact details. If you wanna reach out to Augusto, you wanna reach out to, to myself or both of us, you, you feel free to reach us in the contact details below. For those who are watching us on other platforms like, like YouTube and Facebook, you can just type your comments below or and, and one of us will see it and we'll get back to you. Otherwise you can feel free to email us at help at htj.tax, that's help at htj.tax. Everything that we have said here, this, this uh, live stream has been recorded and it will be available on wherever it is that you find your favorite podcast. So you can listen to it again. It'll be on Apple, SoundCloud, uh, Amazon, everywhere that you get your podcast. And listen to it again, pass it on to your friends, or, or, you know, people in your network. And if you have any other questions, feel free to reach out to either or both of us. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thanks. Here are four ways we can help you. Number one, sign up for free webinars on U.S. Expat Texas and International Entrepreneur Texas at www.htj.tex. Number two, stream premium educational videos at www.htj.tex. Number three, contact us for tax optimization consult offer Zoom. Number four, high net worth. We can quote for doing your U.S. International Texas Returns. Our books and upcoming events are available at htj.tax. Please subscribe, like, share, and comment below. Email us at help at htj.tax to engage us to advise on international tax or business matters.